Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, I'm joined by Taylor Judd. He's a sales arborist in the East Denver office for the Davy Tree Expert Company. Our topic is best trees for new homeowners and budget-friendly and low-maintenance trees. Taylor, how are you doing today? Except I heard it's going to be hot there today. It is going to be hot. Yep, over 100. But uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, this is a hot topic right now. We're going to start fall planting here pretty quick in the next month. So tell me first about the heat stress. What has that done for your trees there this summer? What has the summer been like for you guys? Um, this growing season, um, most moisture uh, I've ever seen here, and even some of the Colorado natives that have lived out here 50 plus years. So I've seen the most growth I've ever seen on trees. Um, and then as far as heat, it seems to be just finally happening here towards uh, mid-August, and uh, maybe we'll see 90s in September too. Um but uh, really, the main thing I'm seeing now is just all this this growth the trees have put on, um, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to sustain the growth. Um, and it's, it's not looking great, great as far as that. It's great that they put on this um, abnormally. I mean, growth for this area is typically, for example, on a spruce tree, three to four inches. And I've seen six to eight inches even on a spruce out here this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean. The, the heat stress, I don't know if it will be that much of an impact in, in this area. It just kind of depends how long, um, you know, if we're going into October with this heat, then that would be an issue. But uh, you can see some wilting and things like that right now, uh, just droopy leaves. Um, and really the, the best thing would be just deep watering intermittently, um, like once a week max. Are you able to hide in the office when it's going to be record-breaking heat or do you have to go out there? <laughs> No, I'm constantly doing estimates. Yeah. Yeah. Hitting the pavement. Yeah. So with all the rain you got this year and all that growth, that sounds to me like a good thing, but you, you said there might be some negatives in there, huh? It could be some negatives. Yeah. All this, I mean, the trees use, use all their resources and uh, put on an abnormal amount of growth and then sustaining that, that new growth, I think will be hard. Um, and, you know, it de- kind of depends what the winter brings. Uh, typically here, they always say Colorado gets a lot of snow. And sure, out by my house in the foothills, um, we get a lot more snow than Denver, I would say. But typically, I mean, significant snows um, wouldn't be until January, February time frame. Um, and let's say people get the irrigation shut off in October, uh, which is pretty typical. And then we don't get a significant moisture until January. That's a long time, um, you know, for these trees to dry out and um, so yeah, that's, that's a little worrisome. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's still, even when it's been this hot, we've still been getting afternoon storms, um, every day, sometimes not a whole lot, but it's something So pretty consistent rainfall. So let's talk a little bit from a Colorado's perspective of best new trees for homeowners. And on this podcast, yes. the mantra is right tree, right place. We know that, but what comes to mind for you? Tell me a little bit about growing trees in Colorado. Sure. Um, so we should start with the soil. Um, soil is alkaline uh, here. So, you know, typically plants like acidic soils. And uh, one of the issues is here is just, you know, plant um, selection. You know, granted, there's a lot of trees that just don't work here. Um, one of my 
recommendations would be um, a bur oak, just throwing one out that I've seen do well, does really well in alkaline soils, a hardy tree, typically good structure and all that. Um, and then, um, you know, location is huge. Uh, that the burrow can take full sun. So that would be a good front yard, uh, south side type tree. Um, and then as far as understory trees, um, you know, if you have mature trees already and you just want to plant some smaller ones, a red bud would be a good selection for that. Um, but with that, uh, the clay soil, the alkaline soil here, it's really important that you go legit like two times the size of the root ball when you're planting. Um, I see a lot of a lot of folks and landscape companies, they'll get an auger, um, they'll drill in and it's about the same size width as the root ball. And then, well, it's perfect fit. Let's throw it in. And that just doesn't work well here. You got to really break up the soil since it's so compacted. And what about, I know in general, when we talk about planting trees, we don't add anything to the soil, but in the situation where it would be real clay, would you? If you, if you worked up that hole twice the size of the uh, root ball, would you put any organic matter in there or that's a bad idea? Um, I typically see that being a bad idea um, just because I don't know, you know, if you would, were to happen to, let's say, put fertilizer in with, you know, your planting, um, that can actually make the trees too comfortable in their plant ball, like in this rooting ball, and they won't need to elongate and reach towards you know, water and nutrients and whatnot. So I don't recommend fertilizing at the time of planting. Uh, the best thing is just to use the native soil that's there. Don't, don't add any. Um, and essentially, unless there's like a steep grade or something, you want to, you know, do a little backstop, a berm or something like that. But uh, no, just, just digging it two times that root ball size. Um, and then, you know, getting the air pockets out after you do that um, will help those basically those roots in the root ball elongate and get out of their comfort zone. One of the mistakes that I do here that uh, homeowners make is not digging a big enough hole, but also from doing this podcast, planting their trees too deep. Yes. Yep. And you know what you're, what you want to look for is um, a root flare as in, I guess the best way to describe it, your tree shouldn't look like, look like a telephone pole in the ground, um, you know, right at the base uh, where it meets the root ball, there's a flare there, um, and you want to be basically like an inch and a half um, above that. Uh, that's where you want to see that flare. So um, planting too deep is huge, uh, especially with our soils. I mean, um, the trees already are not supposed to be here in general, um, you know, a cottonwood along a, a waterway. That would be your native tree in this area. So, uh, yeah, you got to do whatever you can um, to plant at the correct height. Um you know, depth is huge as well. Um, and another big thing is, like I said, with the grade, uh, folks that have somewhat of a grade, let's say in their front yard, uh, going down to the street, um, I actually recommend putting in a berm on that side to help retain, retain water. Um, and, you know, because if it just runs off into the street, it's not going to absorb anything. Um, so putting, you know, um, mulch, backfill, uh, just on that one side can help in those kind of situations. Um, but yeah, I guess that leads me into another thing, which I'm big on is mulch, um, especially, well, new plantings, um, even existing trees, uh, especially ones that you see lawnmower damage and weed whacker damage. That is huge at the base. Um, one of the best ways to prevent, let's say you have like in nature way, uh, some commercial company comes through, uh, really quick, you're not taking their time or anything. Um, if you mulch around your trees, that will help. I mean, there shouldn't be any reason that they're, they're going to be string trimming near there if the weeds are down. 
um, and you just put a mulch around there, that'll prevent compaction as well as just damage to the root flare. And new planting, that's pretty detrimental. I mean, yeah, weed whacker banging into the bottom with a uh, mower, that sort of thing. And, you know, we talk extensively about mulch, mulching the right way, not volcano mulching. Mm. How much mulch and, and how far out? Okay, so uh, the drip line of the tree, the outer skirt of the canopy, that would be uh, a good place to put the mulch out to. And then I recommend uh, two to four inches of mulch, um, you know, and, and no more than that. You don't want to overdo it. Uh, the only other circumstance where I'd say I add an excessive amount of mulch is during like construction, um, basically trying to save a, you know, critical root zone on a tree um, to pr- help prevent pr- compaction you know, adding a lot of mulch in those situations. But for new planting, yeah, two to four inches of mulch out to the drip line. Tell me about the bur oak because I know nothing about it being from East Coast. Gotcha. Um, so the, the bur oak um, is actually like a, a very sturdy tree uh, in comparison to some other oaks that usually has a strong central leader. So one stem going up, um, good scaffold spacing on its branches. Um and, you know, is a very good full sun tree. Um, they typically, uh, typically at least, they grow laterally. Um, they can be wider than they are tall. Um, so good shade and all that. We'll produce acorns. Um, but uh, at least this year, what I saw in a burr oak we planted last year um, was about uh, eight inches of growth out on the end. So, um, you know, they're, they're a slower growing tree compared to a maple. However, um, as far as tolerance, um, drought tolerance is a huge part of it. Um, and you know, they, they don't, you know, basically the only time I haven't seen them do well, if they don't get enough sun, I mean, that's really all I can say about them. Um, so, you know, great front yard tree, great in alkaline soils, um, and just good structure to begin with. So low maintenance for sure. I mean, oaks, we don't prune out here near as often as we would like an ash tree or a maple. Um, so there's that, you know, with a cost effective tree. Oh, you still have ash trees? Because we don't. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we still have them. Yep. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, I guess for on a, on a map, we'll say I-70. So north of our territory. And then there was some uh, larvae found in uh, some firewood in Littleton. So, um, yeah, it's getting closer. Been in Boulder for years, but it's, it's creeping closer to the Denver metro. Yeah, we're talking emerald ash borer, which has wiped out the ashes in the east, ash trees in the east. And you know, I guess it's just a matter of time, but at least you're ready. At least you know it's coming, and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of work done on that. As far as your red buds are concerned, are you planting anything crazy and different? Uh, variegated foliage, uh, red foliage, anything like that? Um, as far as um, you mentioned, like red bud trees, uh, that tree in particular, uh, as far as where we're, we're planting those, well. Yep. Just- different cultivars are you looking at the straight species or can other ones live there or you prefer the straight species absolutely yep um so for this reason the alkaline soils um there's actually quite a few maples that show uh chlorosis here so an iron deficiency uh that's the yellowing the leaves you know prior to fall during the normal growing season um so with that um there is another tree like sensation maple um, is another one um, that actually derived, I think, from a box elder and maybe a red maple. But that tree is actually doing really well in alkaline soils. Um, and, you know, it's 
it's essentially you're going to get the fall color. Um, in comparison, I guess we could you know take the bur oak, very hardy tree, not spectacular fall color, and then they came up with a maple because those are nice you know fall colored trees. Um, you'll still get the fall color, but it's more tolerant. Uh, it doesn't get the sun scald like autumn blaze maple, um, but you still get the fall color and um, just all around good tree for front yards again uh, with alkaline soils. So um, yes, there are, especially with the maples, uh, people from back East, uh, myself included, we love, you know, fall time and then seeing those beautiful maples. Um, but, you know, with the sun and everything else, um, I've seen sun scald being like one of the main issues with red maples, autumn blaze maples, um, people forget to wrap them, you know, and then that rapid change in temperature, you get a big scar going down it. And that can sometimes be the end of the tree. Um, not always, but yeah, the scar can be so bad from that. Um, and let's see, as far as another, um, good one, I recommend, uh, pears actually do here pretty well here. Chanticleer pear, if you're looking for like an ornamental, uh, fruit tree. Um, and those would be, Honestly, like the top of my list, I, I, in this region, I recommend like five to six trees, um, you know, as far as deciduous and then we can go into conifers. Uh, but yeah, that, that's another one next to the bur oak would be in top of my list for this, this area. And how do conifers do in general there? Um, so conifers, um, granite, they're not native to the front range, at least in our territory of East Denver. Um, but you know, if I were to recommend, um, a tree that will do, pretty well anywhere in the U S even the Midwest, like an Austrian pine. Um, that would be at the top of my list as far as a conifer, um, you know, Colorado blue spruce, uh, in my territory. Um, if you've ever heard of the term called beetle kill, um, that is down here on the front range of Denver, like out in the plains even. So, um, that's why I don't recommend a whole lot of blue spruce, um, because that pest just, just loves them. Um, and similar to Emerald ash borer, that pest is going after healthy live trees. So, you know, it's not like a pest that's going to come by after the tree's already struggling and, you know, it's way out. But um, so, yeah, that would be on the conifer side. Austrian pine would be at the top of my list. So you mentioned uh, people moving from back east. They want the plants that they grew there, but mm-hmm. they're not, a lot of them are not going to grow in Colorado, right? Do you battle right. that a lot? I do. Yeah. Yep. And just explaining that uh, because, you know, especially in my area, it's a, part, a section of like older Denver. Um, you know, there's some 80 foot tall American elms um, and, you know, it looks like, you know, this could totally be a natural landscape. I'm uh, just explaining that, uh, you know, it's non-native. And then I often Cherry Creek's a pretty popular, um, really one of the only main waterways through Denver. And I was like Cottonwoods along Cherry Creek, that would be about the only native tree here. Um so, you know, if, if you want to basically uh, start a garden or anything like that, you know, you need drip line. You're going to need things that you wouldn't necessarily need back east. Um, I'm from central Illinois and nobody watered their lawns or, you know, tree work. What's that? I mean, you, you clean up after a storm and that's the extent of your tree work really back there because everything grows so well. Um, so, yeah, it's just explaining that, um, trying to find species that'll work um, with the, the clay soil too. Um, so it's, it's definitely going to have to be tailored a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say you could have exactly what you had back East here, um, reasonably and, and not expect, you know, some dieback to happen or losing some trees because of that. But yeah, that's been tough. <laughs> so tell me how you got into this. Why is this job right for you? Um, so I got into this, uh, back in 2016, 
Um, I guess I should back up a little bit further. So in college, I, I, I'm an agriculture science guy. I ran a grain elevator in central Illinois. Um, so corn and soybeans, that's my background. Um, and then um, I was in the National Guard simultaneously. Um, I needed to find a different unit uh, due to like a MOS job change. Um, so I uh, called up Wyoming and, and they took me in and then their National Guard program and then um, found a job through Davey. Um, because, uh, and you know, granted forestry wasn't a degree I could have gotten at my, my university, but I was always interested in it. Um, dendrology, uh, culture. I took some classes, um, but you know, never really put it to work cause I just went right to the grain industry. Um, so then when I moved out here, I learned that you could climb trees, uh, and make money doing it. And that's kind of what, what paved the way at first. So I started out as just a regular groundsman climber. Uh, then moved into foreman, uh, then crew supervisor, and then now I'm sales arborist. So yeah, started started at the very bottom, dragon brush essentially. Yeah, aren't you glad you don't have to climb trees when it's over 100 degrees? <laughs> yeah, so certain days like this, I, I definitely don't miss it, but I usually do miss it. Um, you know, just being with the crew, the camaraderie, um, the really difficult tasks that often get overlooked. These giant mature trees, um, and there's quite a bit of building and and home renovations going on in our city because it's old Denver. And, um, you know, there's some, you know, a lot of mature trees that are being tried, you know, trying to save um, while a new house is getting built next door. So some really technical um, pruning and, and removals um, in such tight spaces. So um, yeah, days like this, I'm going to run some uh, ice cold Gatorade out because yeah, it's going to be a brutal day for, for everyone out there for sure. And, and before I let you go, tell me a little bit about being in this position and your relationship with your clients and kind of what you get out of working with them. Sure. Um, yeah. So the former sales arborist, I did some ride alongs with him um, his you know last couple weeks and I was able to, to meet and greet clients. And then what I've been noticing lately is uh, uh, actually quite a few clients. I've already pruned their trees. I've been on their properties before, um, you know, in a different job when I was a climber. Um, so that's been great. Um, just seeing these folks again and then, you know, basically seeing uh, some pruning cuts I did in the past, some structural things. And then we, we look back and like, wow, that was five years ago. This tree's put on a lot of growth and it's time for a regular pruning cycle again. So it's been nice seeing um, familiar people and properties. And I would like to think that clients like that. You know, I, I kind of have a history in my mind of um, the work we've done to their trees because um, preservation is huge there. Uh, here in general. I mean, um, you know, some of these trees are, you know, over 80 years old and um, folks are willing to to do anything to, to keep them around, buy some time on their, their lifespan, extend that lifespan. So yeah, that's been pretty rewarding so far. Well, that's great stuff, Taylor. I'm going to leave it right there. I really appreciate your time. That was fun. And uh, boy, wish I could grow a bur oak out here in the east, but I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> Oh, I probably would anywhere. I'm telling you, that's a, that's a good tree. So, All right. But thanks, yeah. Taylor. Thank you. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I am your host, Doug Oster. And do me a big favor. Subscribe to the podcast so that you'll never miss a show. Do you have an idea for an episode or maybe a comment? Send me an email to podcasts at davy.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at D-A-V-E-Y dot com. And as always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.